0: Through 18. As God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, In the time of my favor, I heard you, and in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor, now is the day of salvation. We put no stumbling block in anyone's path so that our ministry will not be discredited. through glory and dishonor, bad report and good report, genuine yet regarded as impostors, known yet regarded as unknown, dying and yet we live on, beaten and yet not killed, sorrowful yet not rejoicing poor, yet making many rich, having nothing, and yet possessing everything. We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians, and opened wide our hearts to you, We are not withholding our affection from you, but you are withholding yours from us. As a fair exchange, I speak as to my children. Open wide your hearts also. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers, for what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Of what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live with them and come among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. This is the word of God.
1: Well, as we continue our series of Church Alive, we do come to this experience of Pentecost where we celebrate the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon our lives and upon the first church. As Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, he wanted them to know that they needed the Holy Spirit to continue to serve God's purposes and his plans in the world. So today we look at 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 1 through 18. There it says, as God's fellow workers, we urge you to not receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. So we put no stumbling block in anyone's path so that our ministry will not be discredited. Rather, As servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, in troubles, in hardships and distresses, in beatings, imprisonments, riots, in hard work, sleepless nights, and hunger, in purity, understanding patience and kindness, in the Holy Spirit and in sincere love. In truthful speech and in the power of God, with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and the left, through glory and dishonor, bad report and good report, genuine yet regarded as impostors, known yet regarded as unknown, dying and yet we live on, beaten and yet not killed, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, poor yet making many rich, having nothing and yet possessing everything. We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians, and open wide our hearts to you. We are not withholding our affection from you, but you are withholding it from us. As a fair exchange, I speak as to my children. Open wide your hearts also. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what does righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ And Belial, what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God had said, I will live with them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. This is the word of God. Well, it doesn't work long, or at least uh, last for long, to serve in your own strength or ability. Whether that is in a particular ministry whether that is in your marriage, in your parenting, as a coworker, or even as a neighbor, if we try to see, serve God's purposes just in our own strength, we'll find ourselves wearing out and being ineffectual for the kingdom of God. When you have gifts to serve God, the, tempt- the temptation might be to slowly rely more and more on those gifts and lose sight of the giver. But as a church alive we seek to rely on and nurture a deep and intimate relationship with the giver of every good and perfect gift who is God. Perhaps worse yet in separating ourselves perhaps from the power and presence from the God, Word of God or the power of God is that as a result, we can try to end up serving without love behind it. In his first letter to the church at Corinth, Paul spoke to this saying, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I give all I possess to the poor or even surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. In other words, love is to be our motivation for carrying out our mission. That's why we say in the third point of our vision statement as a church that we invite people to love Jesus by giving of ourselves in love for others. And this is where the Holy Spirit comes in because we cannot effectively serve the purposes of God in our own strength, ability, or power. We need the Holy Spirit to fill us, to ignite us, enable us to love other people in God's name. Nikki Gumbel, the speaker of the Alpha Course, says, The Holy Spirit is not a ghost, but a person. And this is a great distinction. I remember when I was growing up in the church uh, in Cupertino, the most often used Bible translation there was the New Living Translation. And I remember in these paperback versions of the Bible, there were little pictures in different places. And when it came to the experience of Pentecost, there were these sort of ghost-like figures that were, that were, that were depicted there. In the sense, like, the Holy Spirit as a ghost comes upon people and, and animates them, almost ghost-like. But that is the exact opposite of what is communicated in the scriptures. The Holy Spirit is not a ghost. The Holy Spirit is a person. Not dead, but alive. He animates the church empowering us to serve God's purposes and to love like Jesus. The Holy Spirit is a person. thinks we're told in Acts 15, 28. The Holy Spirit speaks, we're told in Acts 1, 16. He leads, as told in Romans 8, 14, and can be grieved. He can be saddened. He's sometimes described as the Spirit of Christ or the Spirit of Jesus. And he is the way in which Jesus is now present with his people. A school child's definition is that the Holy Spirit is Jesus' other self. The Spirit mirrors Jesus, reflects Jesus, points us to Jesus. What is He like? The Holy Spirit is described in the original Greek sometimes as a parakletos in the Greek. In John 14, 16, He's one who comes alongside, a counselor, a comforter, an encourager, just like we might need somebody to counsel us, comfort us, or encourage us, the Holy Spirit actually comes and does that inside us. The word actually means, paracletus, of, of the same kind. So in other words, the Holy Spirit is just like Jesus, pointing us to the love of the second person of the Trinity, the Son of God, by mirroring Him and pointing us back to Him. And He does this in an ongoing and, 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 and permanent way. Gumbel would say in the Alpha Course that the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament came upon particular people at particular times for particular purposes. But in the New Testament and at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit is now permanently present with His people in an ongoing way to, ex- to fulfill all of God's purposes. And those purposes include our witness to other people, but also in- in- includes the-, the purposes that God has for us. The transformation of our hearts and our lives in Him. You see, we're often tied down by fears, habits, and addictions that can grip our lives. We can be controlled by anger, the temptation to to envy, jealousy, or lust. We know we're bound when we can't stop doing something even when we want to. But the Spirit of God can set people free from what binds them. And again, this isn't just for us and transforming us from our sin and our addictions, it's for other people. And if we're going to help other people be a counselor or encourager to them, we cannot do so effectively without the spirit of God. You see, without the God's spirit, we become like a, a dry sponge. And and we and I was doing some cleaning yesterday and we have this sponge that's that's wet and we're we're using to do you know clean dishes, but then we've got these dry sponges underneath our sink. And those are the ones we often use for deep cleaning in the house. And outside of water and, and filling those sponges with water, they become dry and hardened and they don't absorb water. Well, similarly, we need to immerse ourselves in the Holy Spirit. Somebody who is baptized by immersion goes goes under the water and, and gets wet, but then comes up and, and, and is dried. We need the constant filling of the Holy Spirit to be continually wet, so to speak, with the Spirit. And Jesus speaks to that. In John 7, 38, he says, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink, for out of his heart will show will flow rivers of living water. You see, when the Holy Spirit comes inside of us, He fills us and replenishes us. He
2: refreshes us.
1: Jesus, and before He ascended to heaven, told the early church, told some of His first followers in Acts 1.8, that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. But still, they had they had to wait and pray for another 10 days. But we're told that then they're praying in an upper room in Jerusalem. And, and, and on the day of Pentecost, it says that suddenly, a blowing like a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be like tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them, and all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and enabled them, enabled to speak in tongues as the Spirit enabled them. In other words, what the Father had promised in various times in the Old Testament had now come true and been fulfilled. And the crowd that was there was amazed and mystified at what was happening So Peter stood up and told them that this was the fulfillment of something God had promised long ago in the Old Testament and now had come true. God had filled his people with his Spirit and was igniting them to witness for him. Peter, who had denied Jesus three times, is now so empowered by the Holy Spirit, so filled by him that he powerfully proclaims. Jesus' resurrection, and thousands of people came to faith in Jesus that day as they repented and believed in the gospel. So where does the passage we read come in? What we find is the Holy Spirit that was poured out on the first followers of Jesus at Pentecost continues to fill His church and His people. And there are five points here that, that reflect a church that is alive, living, and active And the first one is that a church alive serves alongside the Holy Spirit. The amazing reality of the passage is that Paul calls the church at Corinth God's fellow workers. Who do we work with? We work with the Holy Spirit who's shaping us and changing us and molding us. He is the one that ministers in and through us. And I believe the longer we're following Jesus as Christians, the more we realize it's not we who do anything. It's the Holy Spirit who does it in and through us. And that without the Spirit, we're nothing, unable to accomplish any good work for God. You see, when we receive the grace of God, we're meant to not only allow that to change and shape our own hearts, we're meant to extend that grace to other people. And allow God to utilize the grace gifts that He's given us to bless other people. Paul actually talks about the opposite. He says we don't want to receive God's grace in vain. And I think what he's speaking there to is to try to live for oneself or live apart from other people. Maybe it's even receiving God's grace, but being unwilling to extend that to other people. Or to receive the grace gifts of God, but not share those with other people to build up those around us. We're not meant to live selfish or independent lives. And we're not to serve in isolation. That only causes us to wear out. We're meant to serve and the refreshment, and the filling, and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And we're meant to do that with the gifts that God has given us, in partnership with the Holy Spirit, but in partnership also with one another. One of my favorite stories along these lines uh, occurs in Henry Nowen's book, In the Name of Jesus. We often encourage people in the life of our church entering into leadership to read that book. It's very simple, and an easy read, a great read if you're going on vacation. Uh, a short read that you can read with over a weekend or that kind of time. In the book, Nowen talks about an experience where he had been invited to go and speak at a conference. And he realized as he was getting ready to go, and he was serving at the time as a chaplain for a large community in Toronto, Canada. was a community for people with various disabilities and mental and physical hardships. Nowen realized that he was troubled by the fact that he was going to make this trip and travel alone. And he mentioned that to a group of people. Well, a guy there with mental handicaps named Bill said, why are you traveling alone? And Nowen said, I, I don't know. And Bill said, I'll go with you. And Nowen said, okay. So he decided to take this man, Bill, with him on the trip. And Bill's commitment to go on the trip with Henry Nowen was that we're going to do this together. Little did Nalan know what that would look like for Bill and his mental handicaps. When they got on the plane, Bill, didn't, Bill announced to everybody on the plane, "We're doing this together. Henry and I are going on this trip together. We're getting to go and speak to these people and, and do this." And Nalan goes to, to speak at this conference, and he, he gets up to speak, and all of a sudden he realizes that Bill's travel, you know following along behind him, and that Bill was standing right beside him as Nalan was speaking. And Bill realized he didn't really have a job to do as Henry was speaking, so he started turning the pages over and, and started making comments as Henry was speaking, like, that was a good one, or this and that, and, oh, oh, you sort of st- talked too much about that one, Henry. Like, you might want to wrap that point up and keep going. In every way in that experience, Bill and Henry did it together. They served together. Now I realized he never wanted to travel alone. And in one of those youth ministry principles I learned, it's like you never go anywhere alone. Take somebody with you. Share the experience together. And God wants to share every experience with us. He wants to fill us and be our present companion so that He literally carries us. And when we're sharing the good news of Jesus, we're able to share that, you know, today is the day of salvation. There's a great opportunity today, and the Holy Spirit is here, present, and at work in people's lives. And we're there serving then as a conduit for the work of the Holy Spirit, not in our own strength or ability. Sadly, when we don't serve in the Spirit, or don't serve in the love of Jesus... We can become what Paul calls a proscoping, a stumbling block for other people. Instead of building people up, we end up tripping people up and not enabling them to see Jesus, which is what the Holy Spirit wants to do to help people to see Jesus. The shift there then as the church lives is to serve alongside the Holy Spirit, to serve in the strength of the Spirit and not in isolation. Second point, a church alive is commended in the midst of difficulties by the Holy Spirit and sincere love. Here Paul itemizes a list of challenges and hardships that he had gone through, things that had made ministry for him really difficult. But Paul is able to say that he had served Jesus with great endurance. The Greek word here is hupomone. It's literally the the serving in 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 a persevering and enduring spirit. John Chrysostom said that Hupamone is the root of all goods, the mother of all piety, the fruit that never withers, a fortress that is never taken, the queen of virtues and the foundation of righteousness. Hupamone and serving in, the, in, the, in an enduring spirit is a triumphant ability to pass the breaking point without breaking and to continue to go on loving beyond our own limits or boundaries. Paul tells us that in the midst of troubles and hardships and distresses, when he had faced beatings and imprisonments and riots, even when he had experienced self-inflicted hardships, he had worked hard, he had had sleepless nights and had even gone hungry and voluntary fasting, he tells us that in and through those times, he was able to go on serving and go on loving because the Holy Spirit was doing it through him and in him. And the Holy Spirit in those times, instead of causing a separation between Paul and God and and God's empowerment, was actually molding and shaping Paul. He tells us that purity was being developed in his life. And that's not just moral uh, goodness or uprightness. Purity is actually a singleness of purpose. It's where we're refining or sharpening our focus. The Holy Spirit of God, rather than you know, allowing Paul to become separate from God's purpose or trying to do too many things, was focused more and more on the ministry and the mission that God had given him. Paul tells us that rather than experiencing confusion, he had experienced understanding, a knowledge of how God was with him and a sensitivity to God's will, direction, and design. We're told there that the Spirit was cultivating patience in Paul. Rather than anger or frustration as a result of the difficulties he had experienced, rather than reacting with anger or retaliation, Paul had a rooted patience in his life and in his relationships to other people because of the Holy Spirit living and moving in him. We're told that Paul cultivated or God cultivated kindness in Paul. In other words, what God was doing in Paul's life in the midst of difficulty was cultivating the fruit of the Spirit in his life. Things like patience and kindness. And ultimately, through the experience of intimacy and companionship of the Holy Spirit, Paul continued to know that he was loved by God in the midst of circumstances that might have called that into question. He had this intimacy, a knowledge, an experience, deep experience, that the Spirit was with him and that, and that and that, he was a child of God. You know, there's experiences we have in life that might outwardly cause us to question, or even in our heads or in our hearts, cause us to question our identity and relationship with God. Somebody might say something about us that's hurtful or hard, and we might wrestle with whether we're a son or daughter of the living God, and that God created us in love. But what the Holy Spirit does... Is remind us of our identity in Christ and root us in relationship with God. Or just as Jesus called God the Father Abba, we find ourselves able to to call God Father. He's not a judge. He's not as in terms of you know being angry at us or separating himself from us. He's a loving Father, an Abba Father, who 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 identifies with us and cares for us and wants to wrap his his arms around us. He wants us to know that we're loved and have that sense of identification with him. Last night, Levi and I were at downtown Grass Valley. Um, I'm, I'm seeking to, to parent him in God's wisdom when he's got different interests and stuff than I have. And Levi's more of like a gamer kind of guy. He likes playing board games and things like that. And he's into this Star Wars board game. So he wanted to go to the game shop in downtown, uh, Grass Valley and, and look at what he might purchase to, to, to add to this game that he likes to play. And Levi's pretty smart. He knows that the end of the school year is coming up and that there might be some possible rewards available to him as a result of his grades so he kind of lines this all up and he's like dad we got to go to the game shop i want to i want to check it out i want to see what's there so we're there at the game shop and we're seeing what's there but as soon as we come out of the game shop we look over and we remember i remembered that peter johnson was playing last night at at one of the downtown spaces there in grass valley and pretty quickly, Levi and I look up and we see some members of our church, two couples that are, that are basically on a double date going out to watch Peter Johnson play at this bar. And I watch Levi's face as we're walking along. He looks up and he sees these people. And his smile on his face is this. I know I'm loved by those people. I know those are my people. That's part of my community. That's, that's part of my family. And Levi knew in the midst of this crowd downtown that those are people who love me and I identify with as part of my church community. And that's the kind of love and identification that God wants us to experience through the power of the Holy Spirit. He wants us to know that we're loved and he wants us then to enable to enable us to reflect sincere, authentic love for other people. And again, as I started with, I just want to remind us again, the only way that we're going to be able to love other people sincerely and authentically is if we're doing that in the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, our love will literally run out. will become like that dry sponge in that analogy. Our hearts may become hardened. And instead of becoming hardened in our hearts, the Spirit of God can actually continue to flow through us and empower us with the gifts we need to go on serving. And that's the third point. A church alive is equipped to serve God, and the church alive is equipped to serve with the declaration of truth or the word of truth in the power of God and with weapons of righteousness, it says, in the right hand and in the left. In other words... Paul didn't just have a a ministry or a message that he had developed on his own. Paul's message was one of declaring the truth of God that had been revealed to him. And And he wasn't doing that in his own strength. He was doing that in the power of God that was enabling him to proclaim the good news. In other words, Paul never said, I did this. He always said, God enabled me to do it. And if we're talking about weapons of righteousness for the right hand to the left, what is he talking about there? Well, recall that in Ephesians 6, Paul talked about the armor of God, that we can have the helmet of salvation and a breastplate of righteousness and the belt of truth around our waist and shoes fitted with the gospel of peace. But then it gets to the left hand and it says we can have the shield of faith that God gives us. And in the right hand, we can have the sword of the spirit, which is the word of truth. We not only have protective armor in the in, in faith that guides us and protects us. We have the sword of the spirit, which is the word of truth that we can go out and advance and proclaim the truth of God in the midst of what say C.S. Lewis called enemy occupied territory out there. Sharing the good news of Jesus. But not doing that in our own strength or ability, but doing that through the equipment and the empowerment that God has given us. Fourth point. A church alive is open-hearted in love. Paul talks about that he had remained open-hearted to the Corinthians. Even though they had not responded to his message in in the ways he had hoped. Even though they, they hadn't opened up their heart to Paul. Paul had opened up his heart to them and remained open to loving them and caring for them. And he was doing that because the Holy Spirit was enabling him to do that. Who are those people that you maybe have become hard-hearted towards? Who are those people that maybe you've been hurt by and maybe you haven't forgiven them for that hurt? The Holy Spirit can do a transforming work within us and enable us to forgive people that have been hurtful to us, may have said things about us that weren't true, maligned us in our character, the Holy Spirit can can uh, can literally cause those things to just kind of flow out of us or, or to be freed from those hurts and those pains and those sorrows so that we remain open-hearted to love other people. It's when you see that person that's maybe been hurtful to you at grocery outlet or some other place and you can look on them with love because Jesus looks on you with love even when you don't deserve it. And even when you've done things to try to separate yourself from Him, He looks on you with eyes of love And if we know that, we can remain open-hearted and open-armed towards other people in love. Fifth, the church alive is the temple of the living God. And this is why we extended the reading of Scripture today. Because in reality, what it all comes down to is that God longs to live within us, to so fill us, that we become like portable sanctuaries. You don't have to just come here on a Sunday morning to experience the presence of the Holy Spirit. Wherever you go, because you are a temple of the living God, you can know and experience the presence of God in your heart and to your life. No longer did people have to go to the temple in Jerusalem to worship God or experience God's presence. God was present with them through the power of the Holy Spirit in their hearts. Their hearts had literally become, and our hearts can become, a temple of the Holy Spirit. So Paul would say in First Corinthians 6, do you not know that, that your, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Therefore, honor God with your body. You see, when we do things we shouldn't, when we act out in sin, we're, we're, we're basically taking these portable sanctuaries of our and, ours and, and, and engaging in things we shouldn't. Instead, we can receive the presence of the living God and know that he is with us and live like we're family of God and live out the identity that comes with the family likeness of being a son or daughter of the living God. Church, I want to remind you, you are, if you've received Jesus into your heart and your life and received the Holy Spirit, you are a temple of the living God who is in you. And he doesn't come and go based on circumstances or situations. He is with you through thick and thin. We can invite Him to fill us once again when we feel isolated or somehow estranged from God. And we can ask Him to refresh us and renew us so that we can go on loving other people even when we feel limited, even when we feel like there are barriers to loving As we prepare to experience and celebrate communion today, I want to remind you that you can commune with God at any time. We have the elements of the bread and the cup specifically set aside by Jesus to remind us of his presence with us. The good news is you can be present to God and he is present to you at all times. But as we do get distracted at different times or come to wonder, I'm going to pray today and just invite us invite you to close your eyes and bow your heads with me. We're going to invite the Holy Spirit to just come once again to renew us and refresh us again. To receive the Spirit in in such a way that we're reminded and we know that we are not alone. That He loves us and cares about us and is with us right now. So Lord Jesus, we invite you We invite you to fill this sanctuary with your presence. Let your Holy Spirit come and flood our church with your presence and fill our lives with your power, shedding the love of God abroad in our hearts, filling our hearts with your love and your presence, but also flowing out of our lives and into the lives of others. Lord God, we don't want to live our lives in a hard-hearted way. We don't want to be hardened like a dry sponge. We want to be filled and refreshed once again by You. To know that You are here now. And to know that You are with us. So as we partake of communion today, remind us once again that You did everything necessary for us and for our salvation. Then in the offering of Your body and the shedding of Your blood, You desire to, to draw us into relationship. And through the giving of your Holy Spirit, that relationship is renewed and refreshed as we receive you once again. Come, Holy Spirit of God, and communion with us in this time. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
2: There's nothing worth more Your presence I've tasted and seen The sweetest of love My heart comes free My shame is undone Your presence City what our hearts long for to be whole and cares and problems. As we're free to worship you, Lord, in this place.